passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Welcome back to the Baseball America Fantasy Podcast. This is your host, Jeff Ponce. Alongside me this week is not Dylan White. Dylan is off this week. He's taking a sick day. I mean, and for all the work that he's done and all of his winnings and everything else, he should probably celebrate. Take a week or two off. Uh, he'll be back next week where we'll be talking some fantasy uh, FYPD rankings that we put out uh, last week. So, uh, if you have any questions on that, we're going to uh, ask you to maybe uh, send us some questions to my email. That's jeff.ponce at baseballamerica. That's G-E-O-F-F dot P-O-N-T-E-S. Any questions you have on the FYPD, we will answer them next week on the podcast. But this week, I have a guest. That is Chris Clegg of the Dynasty Dugout. You might know Chris from Twitter, Roto Clegg. You might know him from his work previously with Eric Cross. but. Uh, He's been doing great stuff over at the Dynasty Dugout. I think it's one of the top fantasy sites that's out there right now. Uh, you know, Patreons or technically a Substack. Uh, but I think you do great work and you get out to games. You've done some work with Sox prospects as well. A bunch of different podcasts and, and different things you're doing out there. But uh, a consistent content creator, Chris Clegg. That was alliteration for you. <laughs> Love it. Not Dylan White here, but uh, I am excited to join you. Dylan, we're hoping you're feeling better. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm glad when Jeff texts me, he's like, hey, you want to hop on the pod today? I was like, sure, let me uh, figure out time and let's do this thing. So we're going to talk some Arizona Fall League. I'm looking forward to that. Obviously, be out there in a week. It's wild. It's, it's time to head out to Arizona. I'm pumped for it. I did hear a rumor that Tiedemann and Job might be done, so that kind of pains me that Oof. if they're if it's true, then I'd be very sad not to see them because neither of their teams are in my area at all. So and they'll probably be in the majors pretty quick next year. So this is my chance to see them, but I'm just hoping that rumor is is not true. But thanks for having me, Jeff. I'll have to I'll have to double check on that. That would be interesting. Um because you'll be there and uh, the AFL, the Fall Stars game, is a week from Saturday? It's on Sunday this year. They bumped it again Sunday, because okay. of uh, the potential Game 7 of the World Series. They actually mm. thought ahead this time. Well, yes. not really. The original schedule had Fall Stars on Saturday. That's right. And then they were like, oh, crap, we did this again. But we're not going to wait to the last minute. So they went ahead and 
moved it to Sunday about a month. Yeah, because there was so. nothing on Sunday anyway. So yeah, yeah. There so I go. changed my flight and got another day of the hotel. And so stay, I, last year it messed me up and I couldn't stay for Fall Stars. It was so That's late, right? Yeah, and so that sucked. But this year it's happening. So I'll be there through Monday this year. But either way, um, it's funny because like they could get an inning out of Tiedemann and Job like in the Fall Stars game and then go home. Right. I mean, obviously, it's it's what the plan is for the team, and I shouldn't be speaking that way. But at the same time, <laughs> like, come on, like, yeah, in inning, you know. Um, but that being said, what are your thoughts? We'll just start off here. We're going to talk AFL, as you said. Um, what are your thoughts on Tiedemann? Because he has been going seventy plus pitches. He's been going five plus innings. The performances have been fairly dominant. I think he leads the league in strikeouts. Um, I'd said it to somebody today, but if this is the case and he's remains healthy going into spring training and does this throughout spring, I'd be shocked if he's not in the rotation, like beginning of the season, like opening day. Um, there's only so many bullets there. And I think if he hadn't been hurt, probably would have been up in Toronto and made a few starts by the end of the summer. Yeah, I think so. And we, I think we had mentioned that. Uh, I think he pitched Friday. We were kind of texting back and forth about, about it a little bit. And, I think the Blue Jays are cringing hard every time he's pitching five innings because they haven't let him go, dude. He had, he didn't pitch above four innings since last ju- like the early July, like 2022, which is absurd. And like you said, he's thrown consistent innings, consistent pitches, which is good. I think that this is something that I wanted to see beyond the performance, just to prove health. Like we need to see him throw innings to be able to pitch deep enough in two starts because. This has been the issue all year. We know that he's battled injuries. So obviously the Blue Jays have kind of had the reins on a bit, but you love seeing him being taken off a bit in the fall league. Obviously, like this is a hitter's league and he's dominated. He's pitched 18 innings. That leads all AFL pitchers. You mentioned the strikeouts, 23 Ks. That leads all pitchers as well. He's had a little bit of a command issue. We've seen the walks, which, okay, like that's fine. Like, I just want to see innings. And I've, I've watched every start possible that he's pitched so far. And I'm interested to see, like, I'd, I'd love to see him live if he's still out there. But the interesting thing to me is, like, he struggled to command the, the off speeds at time, but they're so good, it doesn't matter. Like, the sweeper's incredible, so he's getting swings and misses on it. He's throwing it to lefties and righties. The changeup's devastating. And the fastball is really good. The fastball command, I think, has been the best of any of his pitches. But even though he struggled to command the off speed at times, like I said, it's still working. It's still getting swings and misses. But the biggest thing for me is just seeing him pitch innings, going deep into starts. And even 75 pitches, while may not be the deepest in the world, like he's getting five innings, which is awesome. So build up in the offseason, get him in spring training. And like you said, I think he could break camp with his team. Why not? Don't waste the bullets in the minors. He's had a shaky track record of health. Get him on the mound in Toronto and let him go. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think, you know, you, you hit the nail on the head there. Uh, there's no reason to sort of waste any more bullets, especially if he's capable of going 70, 80 pitches, if you can build him up to 90 or 100. Um, and you don't have to do that right away, by the way. You know, if he's going four or five innings in April and May, uh, that's fine. And I guess, like, to an extent, I could see them being more conservative and maybe having him in Buffalo for a month or two. Um 
but just the way things can get off track so quickly, I, I just feel like I, I wouldn't want to waste those boats. Just with, with the quality of, of the stuff that's there. As you mentioned, the fastball, um, there's velocity there. It's a really interesting um, release just in terms of like how he hides the ball, how low it is. Um, you know, he doesn't have crazy extension or anything like that. Um, but he's got a really strong sort of leg block in terms of like how he, how he lands. Uh, and he's, he's just able to kind of like, everything comes out like so low and so fast um, that it's hard to necessarily pick up what pitch it is until it's like 10 feet from the plate, you know? Um, and that's when it sort of like deviates and it's like, Oh, that's the changeup. Oh, that's the fastball. Oh, that's the sweeper. Right. Um, and you brought up a good point. It's something I've written, written about a, a bit over the years, but one of the things that always impresses me the most is when he's facing off-handed batters, right-handed batters, how he just wears out the outer half of the plate. Um, and, and that also leads to my next point with the command. It's there. It wasn't a struggle when he came back. The thing is now that I'm seeing versus what I saw in the summer when he returned and I saw, you know, whatever, three starts, one in, in a low A and then a few in double A, um, is the misses aren't in zone. Um, there were a lot of fastball misses in zone. He's commanding the fastball a lot better. And the slider, he's not hanging at all. When he misses, it's te- technically or like typically is on the outside. You know, he's not missing like over the heart of the plate all that frequently. Um, and they're all pitches that get pretty good, you know, swings and misses in zone as well, which is, I think what separates uh, guys like Tiedemann in terms of quality of stuff from a lot of guys, we look at strikeout numbers. We look at whiff numbers on pitches. Whiff numbers on pitches in zone is such an, an absolute um, advantage to have if you're a guy that can do that. And I think the big thing with Tiedemann is, like you said, it's it's just it's the innings. If we can get these consistent five-plus inning runs, um, that tracks pretty well. So if this is the end of it, then – I think he had a successful fall league and uh, puts a nice cherry on top of a really disappointing season. Um, not even necessarily from a performance standpoint, as much as I think everybody anticipated this was going to be uh, a guy that was going to push his way into the, you know, top, whatever, 10, 15 prospects in the minors conversation, potentially, you know, get involved in a playoff race and uh, be part of this, uh, this blue Jays, uh, you know, whether it was the rotation or as like a long guy out of the bullpen, I think there was an opportunity for him to, uh, you know, potentially have some value there. Um, outside of Tiedemann, is there a player, Chris, that you're most excited to see? Because I, I, I'm going to admit, I am uh, not going to AFL, unfortunately, this year. I know you're going to be in attendance at FPAS next week. That is first pitch Arizona. Uh, that's put on by Baseball HQ. It's one of the best events out there. If you could still get buy tickets and have nothing going on next weekend, I would uh, encourage you to go out there, buy buy tickets, fly out there, and uh, and uh, enjoy FPAS because um, it's absolutely one of the best events uh, that's out there, and I think uh, one of the most fun like periods of the baseball calendar. But you're going to be out there, Chris. I don't know if you're doing any panels, anything like that, but certainly mention those. But what player are you looking forward to seeing the most that you haven't seen outside of Ricky Tiedemann or, or Jackson Joe? Yeah, for sure. So we'll be out there. I'm going out Tuesday, so I'll catch some AFL action before uh, the conference starts, which is obviously a big part of the uh, the conference is awesome. Like it's one of, like that whole week is my favorite week of the year. I I live for the week in Arizona. Seriously, it's 
it's that awesome. So if you're listening, you never go on and you can catch a flight last minute, totally goes worth it. But yeah, I'll be on, we're doing a prospect panel on, we did a, a prospect only draft for 2024, like we did last year. So we're doing that again. We just drafted only rookie eligible players um, that will be like basically a redraft league for next year. So we'll be on that panel. I'm doing a live podcast as well. So looking forward to that and possibly some other stuff. Not sure. We're still chatting with Brent, kind of seeing where need to fill in. But yeah, players I'm looking forward to seeing. I will say I've seen Kyle Manzardo several times. I've seen him in high A. Also, I've seen him in triple A this year before he was traded um, to Cleveland. And Manzardo had some extenuating off-the-field circumstances that I think affected his performance. And my looks of him this year were certainly not the looks that I got last year. And so I'm, even though I've watched the film, like you look at the numbers and he's performed well, like I honestly just want to chat with him a little bit and just watch and see like, is there anything different or is he just getting back to who he was? So Manzardo is obviously one that I've seen a lot um, that I am looking forward to seeing again. Um, someone that I haven't seen though is Graham Polly and that's a fun name if if you followed along with uh, me and Jeff for several reasons where uh, the Polly and Mitral debate happened in like May. And, you know, it, it kind of got people riled up. But, you know, Polly had an incredible year. I think he finished with uh, 23 homers and 24 stolen bases, like 300 average, close to 300 average between um, several levels. He went up to double A at the end of the year. And Polly started out the fall league very hot and has kind of skidded a bit. But, Overall, like I'm looking forward to seeing Graham Pauly out there, San Diego Padres prospect, who I've obviously loved all this year. Jacob Marcy's one too, where you know the performance he's been incredible, just like completely just hitting the mess out of the ball. He has, I think, the third most hits in the fall league. He's tapered off a bit, but you know the EV is just not quite there. But yet he's still hit two home runs so far. We know it's a hitter's environment. Pauly makes, I mean, excuse me, Marcy makes a lot of contact. And so I'm looking forward to seeing him. And probably the last one I'm looking forward to seeing most is Eric Brown Jr., who I did see some in college. He's local here, Coastal Carolina in South Carolina. So saw him a bit in college, but he's really struggled a bit. I know he's had some injuries, but his performance has not lived up to the first round billing, but he's had an awesome fall league so far. No home runs yet, but he's hitting 333, has a 433 OBP with five doubles, a triple. And he's still in a bunch of bags, too. So he's towards the top of the, the league lead and still in bases. And Brown has juice. Like, you know, he put some pretty eye-popping EVs up. Like, his college EVs were incredible. And the contact skills, I think, are, are there, too. i just looking forward to seeing, like, that again in person. It's a kind of funky mechanics. Like, you know, it's you see some weird things in his swing. But he makes it work. So I'm excited to watch him again in the fall league. Um, yeah, I, uh, I agree. And I see that my, my guy Chase DeLauder has, uh, really fallen off a table since starting incredibly hot with Peoria, uh, and has not been hitting still walking more than he's striking out, but he's just not doing much damage, which is kind of funny. Um, yeah, he was so hot. Like I, I thought that yeah. after the first week he was going to be the fall league MVP. And at this point, I think it's up for grabs completely. Like we're halfway through, like, I think it's anybody's game at this point, but I really thought DeLauder might run away with it and and really like bought his stock to be like a consensus like top 20 prospect everywhere. I really thought that was going to happen. And it still can. Like yeah, you, know, sure. you never know. Yeah, but it's been a it's been a quiet couple of weeks, you know. Um so kind of interesting uh 
how that goes. But- We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't a search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. That's why I use Indeed for our hiring at Baseball America. It allows me to do everything on one website. I get quality candidates. I can schedule them. I can interview them. I can screen them. I can send messages to them all within Indeed. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Baseball America. Just go to Indeed.com slash Baseball America right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Baseball America. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Here, I wanted to ask you sort of a more general question. Uh, And this is something that I think anybody who evaluates prospects and writes about prospects generally struggles with this question. How much do you weigh AFL performance? Yeah, and that's a tough question. And honestly, like, it's tough until you actually go out there and see it. And it's a completely different ballgame. I remember my first year going, didn't go 2020, obviously COVID didn't happen. My first year was 2021 out there. 
And I just remember being shocked by several factors and one being like the pitching was so, so bad. There were multiple games that week where there were 25 walks in one game. There was even a start where the game ended early in the seventh inning because uh, Mesa ran out of pitchers. Like it was that wild. Yes. Like <laughs> that, that actually happened. And so like, I was just so caught off guard by the pitching. And this year, obviously, you know, you have your top guys like in Tiedemann and Job, but pretty much across the board, the pitching's pretty subpar. So it's hard to put stock on like a hitter's performance in that sense, because like most of the minor league ball I'm watching is single A and high A. And that's, that's pretty much what I'm seeing too here is like bad pitching. So like the miss, like you mentioned about the misses of like Tiedemann and stuff, but like his misses are good misses. The misses for a lot of these pitchers are meatballs over the middle. So they're leaving these hanging breaking balls. They're leaving a 92-mile-an-hour fastball over the heart of the plate, and it's getting hammered. And when you're in the Arizona environment, those balls are going to fly. I mean, you look at the exit velocity select distance, like on the stat cast games, and the ball certainly travels more out there in Arizona than it does most places. And so it's hard to actually put stock on that because also players are going out there working on things. And I think that's hard to quantify that some players are seriously there just to work on something. Maybe it's a new pitch. Maybe it's refinement on something as far as like in their stance and their swing, like they're working on adjustments. So it's hard to put like a quantifying factor on this because one, if, if you're familiar with what the players out there working on, then obviously it gives it more perspective but some things we just don't know. Like there's specific instructions that players have when they're out there in a lot of cases. And so knowing those things obviously helps. But at the same time, I think that taking a lot of performance with a grain of salt is good. But at the same time, like looking for things that are tangible, like Ricky Tiedemann just throwing pitches, like that's huge. Like outside of his performance, the fact that he's throwing five innings and 75 pitches matters a ton. If we're seeing consistent contact from some hitters, like Ivan Melendez is somebody that obviously we know he's got big power, but I want to see him make consistent contact. And so this is an environment where he should go out and hit. But the fact that he's not hitting is kind of still concerning for me. And so thinking about those things, like there are certain expectations on some players, I think, that I'm looking for, but not everybody. I know that's hard to say. It's like it's like kind of an individual thing. And that I hope that makes sense, but knowing the environment, knowing what players are up against and knowing kind of the setting of the league is important, I'd say. Yeah. And I don't, I don't get too, too caught up in the numbers because there's been very good players that have had bad fall leagues and very mediocre players who have had great fall leagues. Um, so, you know, I think taking anything away from, from a lot of that is kind of tough, but like you said, I think there are tangible things. Guys start to work on things. They show a pitch or improvement in a certain area that they didn't have before that was essential. Um, and I think like one of the other things that always sort of uh, sticks with me, like with the fall league is just how much the ball travels to. Um, <laughs> so some of those, some of those power numbers can be a little deceiving in terms of what the long-term power is, depending on the park or the pitcher that they're facing, et cetera, uh, the time of day and just how the ball travels out there, as I mentioned, but you know, the other thing that I, I think the biggest thing that I always take away from it when I go out there is just the eye test on six teams worth of players. And if you're there for a full week, you get to see all the teams to hopefully three times. You're going to get to see everybody. You're going to see everybody work out. Then you get the fall stars game or whatever. Um, 
But, you know, that's gotten me more familiar with players that are on, like, the West Coast, Texas League, teams that I'm not going to see. So, like, Lawrence Butler was great to see because I hadn't seen Lawrence Butler since he was in Vermont in short season in 2019. And the player that I saw in AFL was much different from the guy that, you know, I had seen previously. The athleticism was better. It was like, all right, this guy moves. I think he's much more explosive as an athlete. Um, maybe he could play a corner outfield spot. This isn't just a first baseman any longer. Um, and that was one of the reasons I was really high on him coming into the season. I can remember like one of the things that uh, one of the first things Dylan said to me when we first started working together on like our first top 100 ranking is I had Lawrence Butler at the back end of mine. And he was like, why is Lawrence Butler in the back end of your top 100? And so because of AFL, I had got good, you know, got a good look on him and, you know, felt pretty comfortable. Um, I also think it can be a great opportunity for guys like Pauly and Marseille who maybe don't get as much press and uh, just to get some eyes on them and get some opportunities and not even necessarily, certainly with the Padres, um, but also like with teams in the next year or two um, teams are more familiar with them guys that they've seen a lot. They might have more track record and history on uh, higher level cross checker, stuff like that. Um, so I think there's value there. And the final thing that I really like about the AFL is the amount of rule five eligible guys for the uh, next year that you'll get to see. Um, so there's a lot of guys there that may end up on major league rosters uh, or going really high in the rule five simply because of how they perform in the AFL. I can remember last year, I went to see Carson Wisenhunt. You were at the start. That award came in. That award looked awesome. He looked better yep. than Wisenhunt. Yep. Um, and it was the kind of thing where immediately afterward, it was buzzing when I was talking to scouts who were like, Ward looked really good in the fall league. And I was like, yeah, I really liked it. You know, it was four pitches, um, changing speeds, changing eye levels, you know, a couple different shapes in the fastball. Um, and it was like, yeah, he's rule five eligible. He's not protected. Um, this is a guy that, you know, I think could go really high in the rule five. He ends up going one, one first overall. Yeah. <laughs> it ends up sticking, sticking, sticking with the nationals as well. Um, but yeah. So I think like you do see a lot of, and there's a bunch of other names. I'm just not going to rattle them all off you'll see a lot of players that could end up in the majors next year that aren't the stars that aren't the big prospects that you could still be familiar with um, yeah. simply because let me, let, I might be wrong here. Um, was Blake Sobel in the, in the fall league last year? Yeah. I, I'm. Yeah, he was. I remember because there was a game early in the week where he yes. and Henry Davis were in the lineup together. Yes. And I was like, dang, this kid looks better than Henry Davis does. Like this is yes. wild. Yeah. So yeah, he was out there. I mean, yeah, Another like rule five guy, yeah. Exactly. Mason Mason Miller, who I know he wasn't a rule five guy, but Mason Miller had minimal buzz coming in. He's yeah. coming out there throwing a hundred like straight gas. So oh yeah, I was like way in after I saw him. It was the first night that I was there, or second night, second night that I was there, and it was I think me, Chris Blessing, and then my buddy Jason Panini, who used to work for the Twins, and we were we were all there like watching Miller, and it was like okay, like. He's that's, legit. Uh, that's, he's sitting a hundred miles an hour. He's the only guy that's ever hit one Oh two in my gun in four years. I've gotten a few one Oh ones. He's the only one Oh two. So, and I was like, that's legit because my gun's usually soft uh, in comparison to the, the radars at stadiums and, and trackmen. So that's a legit one Oh two. Who knows? Maybe it was a trackman one Oh three. I'm not sure. Um, that's interesting though. I think, I think we, we brought up some good points and just sort of to be a little bit, leery of fall league breakouts entirely you know yeah. uh, i wouldn't be running out and, and and going and adding liam hicks and all of my and <laughs> all of my fantasy leagues unless right. there's AFL scoring if 
somehow there's like a playoffs after the playoffs that's just entirely comprised of prospect scoring at the AFL level, then yeah, he would have been a great pick. But uh, yeah, I mean, like, I think it is also good to maybe get guys on your radar in really, really deep leagues. Like I play in some of these 30 team leagues. I've been in 30 team leagues before where there was no limitation on the number of prospects that could be rostered. So you could have a farm system with 120 players and, you know, knowing some of these players that were in AFL that might get in the big leagues in the next couple of years that could, you know, maybe be free, even relievers and guys like that, there was some value there. So, you know, I think that's maybe uh, the big takeaway for me for yeah. AFL. Yeah, just go back and look at like the last several years of like the top performers. Yeah. And that gives you a decent idea of what you need to know. I mean, like Nelson Velasquez was was MVP. I'm almost certain in 2021, he hit nine home runs. Like Cameron Meisner hit seven that year. He had the second most. Like Wanya Pez, like Ivan Johnson. Like you just look at like the the yeah. category leaders like year over year. And it's like, okay, like, yeah, some of these guys obviously panned out and became something, but at the same time, like 2019, it was like uh Greg Dykeman, like <laughs> hit nine home runs. Like what <laughs> all these so I think it just shows like, yes, there's useful things to take away, but I think you also have to be leery just like looking at the box scores, seeing it, watching they stream a lot of games now, which is great, but also being there seeing it is huge. Yeah, I think the biggest thing is the power numbers. Like I really don't buy into, you know, a lot of the uh the power performances from a home run standpoint um, when you can get EVs and things like that. And we didn't have access to it a few years ago. That was obviously really valuable. Um, but I think, I guess my biggest takeaway is guys that show all around skills and kind of round out the profile from the things I've already seen on TV or, or read or, you know, read about in my spreadsheets and statistics and things like that is seeing the player on the field, the get off the bus test, as they say, you know, what do they look like? What's the physical physicality like? What's the BP like? You know, you get a lot of BPs. Um, and I think my favorite part of it is all the food I get to eat and all the people uh, that I get yeah. to hang out with. Um, yeah. That's by far my favorite part of the AFL. And that's whether I'm there for FBAS or I'm not there for FBAS, I've done both. Um, I have a lot of scout friends and people with teams that I get to catch up with or other writers. So, um, yeah. It's always a lot of fun. It's a it's a uh, a great experience in general. Let me ask you last question here. I don't want to keep you too long. Biggest shock performer so far for you in this AFL? Who has it been? I think mine mine is probably Liam Hicks because I got to be honest. I didn't really know much about Liam Hicks prior to coming into this, and that always impresses me because I I tend to pride myself on knowing most of the players in affiliated baseball one way or the other, whether it's the Cape or the draft or just from watching minor league games, you know, all day long for three years of my life. <laughs> yeah. Hicks is certainly, I would say at the top of the list. Like he, I had, I mean, I have heard the name, but I knew nothing about him coming in. It's like, okay. Like I was looking over the rosters when they released, like, sure. Like it's, it's Liam Hicks. Like, you know, there's not much to see here. I thought, but he's done some pretty impressive things and obviously just been a hits machine. And a lot of them, have been against decent pitchers too. Like he's going up against some of the, the Jobs and the Tiedemans and performed well. I mean, he's tied for the league in hits with Jace Bowen, who's also been awesome. Uh, but Hicks is 500 average, a 574 OBP, uh, only four extra base hits, four doubles, and and the rest singles. So 19 singles. But he's walked more than he struck out. I know he's older. He's like 24. So like, obviously, like you look at that and it's like, uh, but like 
at the end of the day, like Hicks has been incredible. And like the stat cast data in Salt River has been pretty good on him as well. Like his average EV is 94 miles an hour over there, which is pretty substantial. Like he certainly didn't do that in the regular season. I know it's a small sample, so I'm hesitant to put any stock at all in a small sample. Like we're talking 10 batted balls, but still you like to see things like that. And that's encouraging. So I would say that Liam Hicks certainly is towards the top of the list, but I'll tell you, there's another one who's really impressed me in the Phillies organization. And that's uh, Gabriel Rinconis Jr. Who had a pretty solid regular season. I didn't realize what a good regular season he had until I kind of dug in a little more, like as he was performing in the AFL, like I think he had 15 homers and stole 29 bags in the minors this year. Yeah. And he's been pretty impressive as well in the AFL. He's hitting 327. He's got 426 OBP. He's got two home runs, a triple, five doubles, eight stolen bases. So, like, just across the board, like, it's pretty good. It's almost a one to one walk to strikeout ratio. And so, for me, like, he's one of the ones that I'm excited to see because. I don't get a lot of looks at the Phillies. Their high A Jersey Shore will occasionally play Greenville, but like this year they played up there. So like I didn't get to see any of that group. And then you got like they're down there, the Florida State League. So yeah, I don't get a lot of looks at the Phillies guys. And so like he's one that I'm like, okay, like is there something more here? And I want to see that. And I'm excited to see him. Yeah. And he's kind of like a, like you said, a tooled up guy from the sense that like, you know, he fills up the stat sheet. So, um, He's an interesting player, right? Like, and somebody, like you said, that kind of, I feel like with those, with those, those Philly guys, they get a tough run in a ball, uh, just playing the Florida state league. We, we know, you know, how difficult that is sort of on the typical slash line and, and home run counting stats sort of numbers. I think a lot of people look at, so it's always important to kind of look at those markers like WRC plus and stuff at a, at a level basis, just to get an idea of like how the performance rates against the rest of the league. Um, I can remember years ago that people kind of like crushed Jonathan India for his time in the Florida state league. And it was like a 130 WRC plus. It was like, that wasn't a bad performance. Like he was 30% better than the average player in low A, whatever it's fine. Or high A, like whatever, you know, it's sort of the same thing here where we get guys like Rincones. And I think that maybe like, the baseball card stats don't necessarily tell the full story of how good they were throughout the season. And you kind of got to take a second look and look a little bit deeper. And um, another guy I wanted to, to shot out here uh, who's um, like not had a huge AFL, but has had, had a crazy regular season. Has had, uh, he's only done it. I think the only thing he's done in AFL is hit homers actually is Calero Rosario. Um, this guy's numbers this year were like awesome. And I know Dylan wrote a little bit about him last week um, and just in terms of how he popped on RoboScout. But I know that the slash line isn't good here, 160, 276, 420. But he's got four four homers. Um, there is power there. Um, it's kind of an interesting profile, I think, especially if you're, you know, like more tend to be more OBP slanted like I am or point slanted where – I tend to like leagues now that do factor in walks and guys that have the ability to get on base that I don't know. I don't think he's like a top 100 prospect for fantasy or anything, but I think Rosario is becoming a guy that's more and more interesting to me as I'm going into this off season that I'm like, I could see myself going and getting some shares. Yeah. I think you kind of have to, just to take a chance to see where it goes. You know, the power is certainly there. Like he's shown that I think in the regular season and also 
in the AFL too. Like mm -hmm. his numbers in Salt River Field are absurd, like just massive hard hit numbers. And so the fact that he's been able to do that, and half of his hits in the AFL are home runs, which is wild. So <laughs> it's eight, eight hits, four home runs, and a double. Like you said, the average is not, not much to show for. Like I'm not putting a, too much stock into that. And ultimately, I do think like he's one that does play better in an OBP format. He is going to strike out a decent bit. But I ultimately think there's a little bit more here to unlock. Like, look at what the Twins have done with like the Matt Walner types. Like this mold that's just that strikes out, but also is a big OBP asset. And this is what I think Rosario can honestly be. Like, I really believe that he can be that power guy that puts up respectable OBP numbers. And I think there's value in that, especially like you mentioned, the points format in the OBP format where, yeah, he may play down a bit in the typical like five by five dynasty league, but that's okay because a lot of leagues have transitioned yeah. to go to more of the OBP or points format. And there, I think he can play, you know, the contact numbers this year were uh, questionable at best. Yeah. Not good. So, they're, yeah, they're 40 yeah, I mean, to 30 grade. Yeah. 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 So 30 grade contact probably, but he did manage 22 home runs in the regular season. If you get power and you get like a, I mean, he had a, 366 OBP. I know it's the minors, but despite having a 67% contact rate that trended down all year. Yeah. So like, even if you get a 340 OBP with power in the bigs, like I'll take that all day. Yeah. And I think it's funny too. Like, yeah, like the, the, the contact numbers were bad. Uh, you know, 34% miss, uh, 24% in zone miss, uh, which is pretty bad but it's a 19% chase rate. Like he does not chase a lot. His barrel rate is really high. Um, his, his angles are great. Um, his hard hit launch angle was 12 degrees, which is a really hard, like really high hard hit launch angle. Um, his pull side launch angle is positive, which is always a great sign to see. And he had, a, he had one of the better ex Woba cons um, of players in the minors. It was like 440. Um, so there's a ton of power there on contact. There's good angles. He walks and just the acquisition cost of Rosario right now in dynasty leagues is going to be short. I bet that there's a lot of leagues where, you know, maybe you keep 15 prospects in your roster and it's a 20 team league and he might even be available to be picked among the FYPD guys, like in the slow back or throwback draft or whatever. Um, or it's like a guy that you can get as a throw in to kind of even off a trade. Um, you know, and maybe as a little bit of sneaky upside. I think those are the best trades. I got Austin Riley like that, the 30 team a bunch of years ago, just That's sneaking him into the balance out a deal um, when I was rebuilding. And uh, I traded him before he got good, but still it was, uh, <laughs> it was I, a genius by me for him. I always suggest people do that in a dynasty trade. Like just try to squeeze in another pick. Like, just be like, I mean, like, seriously, most of the time, like, if somebody wants to get a deal done, they're going to throw in a pick or a, a throw-in prospect, and you never know what that turns into. Like, those can turn into an Austin Riley. Your pick could turn into a, a Roman Anthony and an FYPD. Like, those are worth at least trying to get in every Dynasty League deal. Yeah, absolutely. You know, if you can roster them, for sure. Um, so that's good stuff, Chris. I'm going uh, to let you go now. We've gone a uh, half hour. I've taken up so much of your time. We got a game seven coming up. Here. I know. It's awesome. It looks, it looks like we might have another game seven tomorrow, potentially. Yes.
The playoffs um, have been phenomenal. Like, even though the Braves lost out early as a Braves fan, that sucks. But you can't ask for much more. Like, you're if the D-backs somehow pull this out and we get, like, a D-backs-Rangers World Series, like, that would be incredible, dude. Like, you just can't ask for much more, like, as a baseball fan. So that would be fun. Yes. Just, you know, I'd love to see that. No offense to Phillies or Astros fans, but just no. for the game itself, like, that'd be great. Yeah, I think I think these are four really exciting teams we have left, and it's been uh, it's been a heck of a run. But Chris Clegg, it's at Roto Clegg on Twitter. It's the Dynasty Dugout. Uh, I'm going to tell everybody that's out there to go and uh, subscribe to that. There's a ton of great content, fantasy uh, focus. There's a great Discord community that goes as well. That's really really active. So uh, if you're into fantasy and looking to get uh, some more content uh, in addition to your Baseball America subscription. You know, go out there and do it. Uh, but thanks for tuning in. This has been the Baseball America Fantasy Podcast. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medella is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours. The energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over thirty thousand mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over six hundred dollars each week. You can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.